We should look at these and go, man, I don't want to be one of those. Now, I'm not wanting you to doubt your salvation, but these verses show these people said, Lord. <laughs> you got to see how contradictory that is. Now, I don't want you to doubt your salvation, but man, you should be afraid because I'm doubting my salvation, which you're saying God told you to tell me. Don't forget, that's the title of this video. God told me that Christians should be afraid. They're going to go to hell. Hey, welcome back to Bible Line. I'm your host, Pastor Jesse Martinez. Today, we're going to continue and really conclude our review of the video called God Told Me Some Christians Will Go to Hell by Isaiah Saldivar. And I'm going to tell you, folks, you got to watch out for things like this. We particularly wanted to take time as we listen to Isaiah's interpretation of Matthew 25, uh, 31 through 46. Now, it's going to be a lot of reading from Isaiah. I don't want that cut out because I think we're, it's just good to listen to this entire video. But you have to understand here, Isaiah is coming from something called deliverance theology. And with deliverance theology is a heavy emphasis on private revelation. What does that mean? Isaiah and those people in the deliverance theology believe that God communicates specific things to specific people, and he excludes others from that communication. So I think it's important to recognize with people in deliverance theology, they believe that God exclusively talks to them for things that he wants to those people as their prophets, so to speak, to communicate to the rest of the church. And we know from a really important scripture that that's not how God communicates. God communicates through his word and the prompting, the leading, the guiding and directing of the Holy Spirit, testifying of his son, Jesus Christ. That's it. So as if, if, if we start depending on God told me, but he didn't tell somebody else and we're not testing ourselves with scripture. We're testing ourselves with, well, God told me in a vision or in a dream. <clears throat> it's dangerous. And that's how we get to this type of, of ministry that Isaiah is running. Um, you know, just on the hashtags on his YouTube video, uh, the hashtags are hashtag deliverance, supernatural miracles on a video that has nothing to do with deliverance, supernatural or miracles. But this shows you that this guy's running a business his business is, or his product is views. His product is fear. And he just wants people to click on here and continue to trust in themselves. You look at the comments on this video for someone who is rooted in deep theology as myself, it's gut wrenching. It's like a punch to the gut. Every time I read someone say, amen, I'm trying, I'm doing my best, blah, blah, blah. I know I'm going because I've turned from my sin. I've accepted the kingdom and I'm ministering to people. Boy, they will be unless they Biblically repent from that, which is to change their mind. They will be the ones in Matthew 7 who look at Jesus and say, Lord, Lord. And Jesus says, I never knew you. As a soul winner, as a, a father of a, of, a, of a little, I just can't imagine what it would be like to see people cast into hell because of teaching like this. And that's why I'm passionate about it and I don't apologize for it. But getting back to that deliverance ministry, this special God whispered something to me that he's not going to tell to you. We have 2 Peter chapter 1 that says this in verse 20. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. 
For the prophecy, verse 21, came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So what does that mean? Every instance of Scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, is not the creation and volition of man. It is, and I quote, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So these men were prompted by the Holy Ghost to communicate what God wanted them to write. Their personal writing styles maintained. Isaiah Saldivar is not somebody who is qualified to add to the scripture. And so you may say, who is qualified? Nobody. The scripture stands alone. It speaks for itself. This is why these things are dangerous. The title of this video, God told me Christians will go to hell. God would have communicated that in his word. And those who are called Christians, you can be a Christian and not be saved. You say, well, how is that? Because you, you don't label yourself properly. I like the, the phrase, a child of God, someone who is a believer. Christian's not a bad term, but it's what believers adopted of themselves in Antioch as their persecution was going about. They were also known as those who followed the way. Luke describes that in the book of Acts. But God telling Isaiah something, the test is, okay, Isaiah, what does the scripture say? Here's what Isaiah says is the truth. God told me this. It should have first been revealed in the word. If it's not in the word, then it's not from God. If it's in the word, but he mischaracterizes it or says that it's something it isn't without pro properly studying the context, then it's not of God. And that's how you can safely mark and avoid people like this. And I mean it. Mark and avoid. Do not continue to stay on their channel. I got to see what's going on. I want to stay in the know. Leave these people out. Pray for them, for them to be delivered in the sense that they change their mind and trust in Christ alone. But just be careful with this. Be careful with it. So the passage we're going to look at uh, in conclusion here is Matthew chapter 25. And this is a very important uh, event. This is the final judgment when the sheep and the goats will be separated. And Ma um, Matthew's talking about, you know, this is right before, this is at the second coming, right before the kingdom begins. It's the judgment of the nations, right before the thousand-year reign of Christ. But Isaiah is going to make it a test for true believers. Let me just be very clear. In the tribulation period, there will be very few that are saved. What I mean by that is not physical deliverance, but there'll be few people who are actually born again believers because we know that there's going to be strong delusion because people rejected the gospel in the church age, the, the age that we're in right now. And when they get into the tribulation period, the Antichrist is going to be powerful. It's going to be very powerful. It's going to be hard for people to hear and understand the truth. Yet, there will be people who are saved. This judgment is not you get to enter in based on how you treated people, although that's the surface level, anybody who gets into the kingdom and walks in in their earthly body is first someone who's trusted on Jesus Christ. And they've endured until the end, meaning they've lived until the end when Christ sets up his kingdom and destroys the Antichrist. So the categories in which we see here are not categories of people who these are people who did good works. These are people who did bad works and their good works is their merit for why they're getting into the kingdom and their bad works is a reason why they're dispelled. The sheep, the goats, and those who's, uh, who Christ calls brethren, 
This is all about that certain dispensation, that certain age in the tribulation. But to Isaiah, this is another opportunity to sell fear, to make people question, am I giving you know a cup of cold water to a homeless person? And if I never do that in my life, or if I don't do it enough, am I going to be denied by Jesus Christ to get into heaven? This is something specific that Jesus is talking about, foreshadowing these events that are going to come. This is a warning to Jewish people who are going to be in the tribulation period to not <laughs> come to the end of it and survive through it and still deny Jesus Christ as, as the Messiah. Still, you know, you're, you're aligning with the Antichrist. So having said that, I know it's a little bit of an introduction, but I want you to understand what I haven't said about, you know, Mr. Isaiah here so that you understand why this is so dangerous. And then we'll go ahead and let him read through. So it's going to be a little lengthy of him discussing here because he reads through the whole passage. And I'll be honest with you. Sometimes when I hear him read these passages, it's like he's reading them for the first time. And then he just starts making stuff up. And you're going to see that. So let's get into it. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? It's no joke, guys. It's possible as a Christian, you can think you're good and die and go to hell. Matthew 20. You've already heard that in the video from last week, but I just have to remind you, a true Christian, someone who's put their trust in Jesus Christ, uh, that he shed his blood to pay for their sin, was, was buried and rose again. You don't have to worry about hell, folks. Jesus paid for all your sin. 25, let's go Matthew 25, 31. Last one here from Jesus. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, and he will sit on his throne of glory... All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them one from another as a sheep divides his sheep from the goats, as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he will get the sheep on his right hand and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on the right, come you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom of God, prepare for you. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? Or when did you see a you as a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? Or when did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will say, and as much as you did the least of these, you did it to me. So it's doing these actual things for the least of the, them. Then he will say to those on his left hand, depart from me, you curse into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. So what makes them cursed and thrown into the everlasting fire? I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you didn't take me in. Naked and you didn't clothe me. Sick and you didn't visit me. In prison and you didn't visit me. Sick and you didn't clothe me. Oh, I'm sorry. Sick and in prison and you didn't visit me. Then you'll answer and say, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty? These are Christians calling him Lord. When did we see you hungry or thirsty or stranger or naked or sick in prison and did not minister to you? Then you'll say, and as much as you did not do to the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. So that's the most important verse in all this passage. And that's verse 46, where he says, And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Uh, excuse me, into life eternal. You have to understand here, <clears throat> the brethren, or the least of those, um, I believe are talking about the 144,000 who are going to be actively sharing the gospel message, the two witnesses are going to work alongside with them. Then those who are ministering to those people, I believe, are Gentile believers who have put their trust in Jesus Christ, but they're not going to be able to hide their faith because there's going to be a supernatural attack on all of those who are Christians. 
we're going to know. I mean, you, you can see from places like Matthew 24, 15 through uh, 21, where Jesus says about fleeing and the worst period of time, that last half of the tribulation period being terrible. If there's going to be a lot of persecution. It's going to be, you know, impossible really to hide your faith, but there will be some who will endure to the end. Those people, they can only be described here in verse 46 as going into, uh, but the righteous into a life eternal. They can only be described as righteous because they've put their trust in Jesus Christ. That hasn't changed, but they also had works. That works does not validate their faith, but it is a demonstration of what they have believed. And so they'll be rewarded for that. The people who end up going into, it's a specific type of punishment. You need to see this. Everlasting punishment is not because they did not serve the Lord. It's not because they didn't, as it says, um, I was hungry, you didn't give me any meat. I was thirsty, you didn't give me any drink. They're going into everlasting punishment because they can only be judged by their works. What does that mean? All they have are good works. They do not have faith in Christ. So they're going to be judged according to their works. And it's very important that you see this. Revelation chapter 20, right at the end, this is the judgment, uh, the great white throne judgment. This is the judgment that happens after the thousand years where we just read that judgment into the tribulation period. And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it who's, uh, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works." Now, this is a separate judgment from the judgment that Mr. Isaiah is using here as his proof for if you don't do good works, if you don't have a changed life, then you're not really saved. This is a judgment at the, this is it, at the end of all time. This is the last one. And this is going to be only for those who denied Jesus Christ. They did not believe on him for eternal life. They will have their day in court and they will be found guilty. Why? Because they only have their works. So it doesn't change in the judgment uh, before uh, the tribulation period. Those people who say, who, who are the least of these? What, what do you mean we didn't do these things? They depended on the fact that they thought they knew. Um, let, let's go back to Matthew chapter 25 there. Um, Matthew chapter 25 and verse, 40, uh, and verse 41. Then... Shall he say unto them on the left hand, depart from me, ye cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Okay, so this is talking about the final hell here. And they said, I was hungered and all these different things. And then in Matthew 25, 44, it says, Lord, when we saw the, uh, when saw we thee and hungered or a thirst or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister unto thee. They called him Lord, but that was not enough. Okay, that doesn't mean that they called them Lord because they are children of God. The children of God already went in. Okay, they had faith in Christ and they demonstrated works. The demonstration of works is not the basis for them getting in, but it's a part of their reward. Faith in Christ is what got them in and they went through the tribulation period. These, I don't even think, personally, I don't even think that these are people who, you know, worshiped God. 
I think they now see this judgment. They see the power that this person, Jesus, has. And so they call him Lord, thinking that's going to be enough, but it's not enough. Why? Because they didn't have faith in Christ, so they're only judged by their works. What Mr. Saldivar says here is, well, this is people who don't turn from sin now. When we don't do things now, you're not going to be able to get into heaven. This is a different dispensation that we're dealing with here. Salvation's still the same, but it's a different group of people. And the scary thing is, if Isaiah or people in the deliverance theology, if they go into the tribulation period, folks, these are going to be, I think, some of the first people to get in line with the Antichrist. They're going to be some of the first people to, to push and promote the Antichrist being God. And if not, then they'll be one of the first people to die. And they're going to die in vain. Why? Because their faith is not planted in Jesus Christ. Or the third option, which I think would be great, is this man comes to understand he was wrong and puts his trust in Jesus Christ and is used by the Lord to bring praise, honor, and glory. But let's see, let's see the rest of what he says here. What is it all about? Not doing things for the least of these. It's like, Lord, I didn't do anything with my Christian life. I never helped those. That's not what is in perspective here. So I want you to see what he does. He zooms into a passage that has a very specific place. This is right before the thousand year reign. It's not something that's going to happen in this age, but he zooms out, cuts it, and pastes it into the Christian life. I didn't have food. I never helped the poor. I never visit anybody, those that were sick, those that were in prison. But the Lord recognizes those that you do for others, you've done it under me. It's about action. How much action is what the question would next be? I have a friend of mine that he got saved, or maybe this was before he was saved, and he was listening to John MacArthur. And John MacArthur was teaching about you got to feed the sick, you got to minister to the homeless and all that. And my friend took that to the logical degree of, do I have to sell my business and open up a soup kitchen so that I can be doing those things forever? Is it just a little bit that I have to do or is it a lot bit? Is it, is, is it all of my life that I have to do these things? And if there's ever a time where I did do those things, did I do it enough to where God says, okay, now you've earned eternal life? That's why it's so important that Jesus died for all of our sins. Salvation is not about how much good works you can do or how much you're willing to do good works or how much you're even able to do good works. Salvation is about you can't earn it. Jesus died for all of our sins. He did the work for us. We just receive it by faith in him. Now is when the action comes in as Mr. Isaiah is incorrectly putting the cart before the horse by saying the action comes first and then your justification. Justification comes first. We believe we receive the free gift of everlasting life. We're justified before God by the blood of Jesus. Now we have works. Now those things matter. And that's where you see Titus say, you know, we, we, we've got to uh, denying ungodliness, living soberly and righteously in this present uh, evil world, maintaining good works because those things are good and profitable in the men. When Jesus says, let your works shine so they can glorify the Father, that comes after salvation to those who are obedient and submit themselves to it. But Isaiah makes it a qualifier for salvation using this judgment incorrectly. Some Christians will go to everlasting punishment because they neglected the action. They did not do anything. No. They're going to go into everlasting punishment because they rejected Jesus. You understand that? That difference? Matthew 7 is talking about the same thing. Same judgment. Lord, Lord, have we not? I never knew you. 
That's what this is about. Are we doing something? Do we know God? Are we continuing on in sin? Guys, these five passages of scripture should terrify all of us. Who should it terrify? Who should these passages terrify? Not believers. It should only terrify those who interpret this through a works-based salvation theology. People will call me on the phone. They'll email me. They'll say things like, I don't know if I believed enough. I'm not doing enough works. How do I know if I'm really saved? And there's panic and there's fear in their voice. I can read it in the tone of the email. Many people, I hear it in the tone of their voice. That's the only people that should be afraid are those who think their works are going to save them. I'm going to read you some of the comments on, on, on these videos here. Um, especially the ones that are, they're, they're thinking, oh man, uh, this is, this is good. This is motivating. I'm just going to keep doing what I'm supposed to, to do. You know, they say things like, uh, I'm so grateful for this message. I admit I have backslid from Christ and back into sexual sins, and I'm a little fearful about future judgment. I'm working toward abstaining from such things, but I feel like I won't be forgiven since I know the knowledge of the truth of God, yet willingly decided to sin anyway. Please pray for me. You know why this person is fearful? Because they think their turning from their sexual sin will earn them eternal life. That's sad. That makes me sad. Because that person is letting someone's theology, like Mr. Isaiah, stand in their way of conversion. Wouldn't it be great for that person to know it's not about you turning from sin? It's about that Jesus died for that sin so that you wouldn't have to. He did what you could never do. How about something like this? Strive, work hard to enter through the narrow gate. Jesus said this, as a longtime Christian, this still makes me sit up and pay attention to make sincere efforts to run after God. Sounds good, sounds poetic, reveals what they're trusting in, their own determination. That, that kills me. I despise that because it's just, it, it, it reveals that people are trusting themselves and it shouldn't be that way. So let's, uh, oh, this last comment I wanted to read here, which I, I thought was interesting. Kingdom recipe. Okay. One, knowing him personally and have a relationship intimately with him. You're going to have to define that. You can't just say that and expect people to go, yep, I know what that means. Number two, stop sinning. Has anybody stopped sinning? The only way that I've stopped sinning is because I have a new nature. But I still have an old nature that only sins. Number three, do good works. Minister to people. Thanks, Isaiah. That's the kingdom recipe, folks. I don't know what kind of recipe that is, uh, but it's not built in clarity. You want a kingdom recipe? You want to know you're going to be in the kingdom of heaven? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Let's let him finish up here and then we'll close ourselves. We should look at these and go, Man, I don't want to be one of those. Now, I'm not wanting you to doubt your salvation, but these verses show these people said, Lord. <laughs> you got to see how contradictory that is. Now, I don't want you to doubt your salvation, but man, you should be afraid because I'm doubting my salvation, which you're saying God told you to tell me. Don't forget, that's the title of this video. God told me that Christians should be afraid. They're going to go to hell. They, it, you, some of you are starting to see this. They speak out of both sides of their mouth. 
It's just whatever to get the views and the clicks and the, you know, fear mongering. And then people in the comments going, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. Lord, they thought they were saved, but they weren't actually saved. They didn't truly know the Lord. Now, I know some people say, oh, you're adding works to salvation. I'm literally telling you what Jesus said. No, he's not. You want to know what Jesus said? Go to John chapter 11. He said this to Martha. I am the resurrection and the life, John eleven twenty five. 25. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? Now get to work, Martha. Show me. <laughs> he said, believest thou this? What is her response? Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. How about John chapter 5? John chapter 5, 24. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that hath sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. That's what Jesus said, Mr. Isaiah. But he misuses the words of Christ to teach a false message, which is the definition of satanic, of, uh, satanic false doctrine. Don't be one of those that say, Lord, Lord. We did all these things, but you never knew him. Today is the day. Take this as a sobering warning. It's time to get a real relationship with Jesus. It's time to stop with the sin. So that's the real relationship is turning from sin. That's how you get a real relationship. Everybody who watched this video before, you're sinning too much. Be like Isaiah. Don't have any sin. I wonder if he would say that. I don't have any sin. Ray Comfort was pressed recently on an interview where uh, somebody said, do you still sin? And he said, well, not intentionally. That's sinning, Ray. So I guess he's sinning less so that God would say a little bit's okay. Come on in. <laughs> Stop with the compromise and it's time to actually do the things Jesus said to do. It's time to actually help those in need, minister to the broken, minister to the poor, minister to those in prison and actually reach out to people. It's not enough to be idle. Or just follow a preacher on YouTube. That's what he is. That's what he's doing. And he's strong-arming God by saying, God told me. I mean, it's, it, you you got to be able to see through this. We need to actually do the works that Jesus said to do. I hope this has been a sobering warning for you. I didn't want to keep it long. Yep, it has been a sobering warning to mark and avoid you. So we will. If you have questions, make sure that you reach out to us. Questions at BibleLineMinistries.org. Make sure that you hit the subscribe button, the notification bell, so you get every time that we post anything, you get a heads up. Keep looking up. Jesus Christ is coming soon. Thank you, and God bless. If you enjoyed today's episode of Bible Line, make sure to subscribe to the channel and share this video with a friend. Do you have a Bible question? Send us an email, questions at BibleLineMinistries.org, and we'll do our best to get you an answer. Or you can leave your question in the comments of this video. Be sure to check the links in the description for more clear Bible teaching. Bible Line is a ministry of Calvary Community Church located in Tampa, Florida.